How many of you watched the Brady Bunch growing up? Me too. Me too. Well, I want to finish our series today on, on Live Free. Uh, we've talked about fear. We've talked about worry. We've talked about um, casting our care. We learned how to cast last week. Today, we're going to talk just about stress. Uh, and we're going to finish this thing up because stress is something that we all have had to deal with from one time or another. I mean, some of us handle it better. But why? the reason I showed you the Brady Bunch is, and we like this because most sitcoms, all of this stuff gets fixed in 30 minutes or less. No matter what trauma is going on, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It gets fixed in about 28 minutes. You know, and all of those, and Peter with pork chops and applesauce. All of those things get fixed. And so we know sometimes when we are so stressed out, we don't act the way we, are, we normally do. We do funny things or we're just off our game or we just feel pressure, anxiety, and worry. Have you ever sat up all night worrying about something and you couldn't sleep and you're just worried about it? And the next day, it never happened and it really wasn't as bad as what you made it think or what you gave it life the night before. 18% of Americans all are on some kind of medication for anxiety. 100% of Americans admit to worrying one time or another. Some admitted to worrying every day. We could all say we've worried at one time or another. I think we're human. We could all do that. New York Times did a World Health Survey and found out that in all the nations surveyed, guess which nation was the most stressed? America. Oh, boy. So let's look for answers. What does God's word say about stress and worry and anxiety? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say, thou shalt be uptight? Thou shalt be overwhelmed and have a tight face. Thou shalt have a stressed out wife, so thou shalt have a stressed out life. <laughs> Guys, you shouldn't amen too hard real quick right there. But it doesn't say that. The truth be told, we've all felt that, though, from time to time. Sometimes it feels like the walls are caving in. You almost feel like you're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and you go through the door, and it's just like, ah! It's all of those things. They seem so big. We all know that there's real and fake. There are people that you know that sometimes when you're talking to them, you know they don't want to talk to you, and they're being fake, or you, you, you know the difference. Some people are so spoiled about what others think that they act a certain way. Do you know there are people out there that only buy clothes and wear them once? Once they wear them once, they never wear them again. True. Do you know that not just too many weeks ago, I wore the same shirt two Sundays in a row? True story. I have more than two shirts or one shirt, and my wife said... You know, you wore that shirt last week. I didn't remember that. And really, I didn't care. But there are times that that is not the case. Sometimes we get so worried about what people think or what they might think. There are women who try to say, I woke up like this. And all the ladies say, liar, liar, pants on fire. There is natural beauty, and I get that. I married a woman that's like that. And there, but I, I understand that, you know. But there are so many things that we do so that we appear to look different than what we are. There are T-shirts you can wear if you're a guy that have abs painted on them. I know, because I have one. You can get eyelashes. You can get fake nails. You can get liposuction. You can get Botox. You can even freeze fat off. I wonder how much that costs. 
There's so many things that people try just because they have an image they want to portray. And I'm not wrong saying put your best foot forward. I'm not wrong saying, you know, they're probably, you could probably say, I know some people and we're just saying thank God for makeup. I get it. And there's some people, there's some guys who are just like, oh, man, can you get a comb? I get it. But we have to understand there's something past just image and what people think and what we get concerned about. God didn't call you to be stressed. He wants you to be fortified by grace, not weakened by worry. He wants you to move from fretfulness to faithfulness. So let me show you what I mean. I have to pick a volunteer. I have to look. And everybody's going, oh, please, don't pick me. Oh, I can't pick John because you're holding the baby. Good, good move, John. Good move. I could pick. No, I won't pick you, John. Devin, come here. I was going to pick John Hanson, but I didn't want to pick on him. That was a pun. Pick, but I didn't want to pick on him. So, Devin... I'm going to apologize to you up front first. What, <laughs> he goes, okay, what, what brings you here? That's a good answer. Uh, why are you sitting back there? Okay. Um, do you, <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? Equinox. Here, come a little closer. A little, little more closer. Let me tell you something else. <laughs> he didn't jump. He was supposed to jump. <laughs> Give Devin a hand. The reason, although a silly example, but the reason of that is that's what the enemy does to us. He gets us, we kind of get into this routine of whatever we're doing, and then he puts a scream in there when we're not expecting it, and it just kind of jars us or throws us off. First service, I did that to a young man, and I mean, he was like, <laughs> his face was like, he goes, what did you scream at me for? Well, the whole purpose was just to use the example. That's why I apologized up front. Devin's a good sport. And I didn't mean to embarrass you or anything. Well, I did mean to, but I'm glad you, you took it very well. So, so the enemy wants to interrupt. He's after the words settling in your heart. He's after you having peace. He doesn't want you to have peace. There's nothing about the enemy that is peaceful. And there's nothing that he wants for you to have that's peaceful. Have you ever been to school? How many have went to college? How many went to just high school? How many ever went to school? You go to a teacher. I had a teacher that's like, and he gave me time. You ever wanted to tell your teacher, you do know I have more classes than this one. I mean, I can't, I, you, the homework you're giving, my goodness, I got four other, you know, and you almost like, ah, the stress of all that. The Bible says that the people perish or his people perish for lack of knowledge. So the enemy just tries to hit you with a haymaker out of nowhere, a low blow, a bad report. The doctor says this, or all of a sudden something happens, or whatever the case is. Have you ever had your identity stolen? And all of a sudden you're like, hey, money's coming out of our account, and we're not shopping. It almost throws you into a panic. And that's what he does. That's his playground package, if you will. Not for us, but for him. It affects our daily decision-making. Do you know they said sometimes when somebody gets interrupted and jolted that their IQ can drop 30 points in just an instant? How many knows we have plenty of opportunities each day to worry? 
There's all kinds of things you could worry about. Now, whether we take them, we don't want to, obviously. But if we see them or change our perspective and see them as God sees them, we can exercise our faith. But because this it comes down to it's not who we are, it's whose we are. It doesn't matter what title you have, it's who you are with. Who are you allegianced with? Who are you coveted with? And we are what co- you know, our covenant is with God. So that is whose we are. Even Paul dealt with stuff. This brought me, and I, has that ever happened to you when someone else is like you think they never deal with anything? And then you find out they had stuff, you're kind of like, oh man, that's great. <laughs> it's not because it's great, it's just like, whoo, I thought your life was like perfect. And you have problems too. Paul had problems and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's pretty good. I mean, I don't want problems, but I mean, I'm like, I got good company. He writes in in 2 Corinthians 2.13, But I had no peace of mind because of my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went to Macedonia to find him. So he's worried. So he's, he's telling you here in the word. He wrote that 55 A.D. Seven years later in 62 A.D. He wrote this passage. And according to Amazon, this passage is the most popular passage highlighted. Now, you'd think it'd be the 23rd Psalm. You'd think it'd be the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to actually take this passage. We're going to read it backwards. Well, not, I mean, we're going to go from, you'll see. When I say backwards, everybody's going to expect me to, to speak it backwards. That's not happening. We're going to start with verse 7 of Philippians 4. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We did that scripture last week. I'm going to give you five things this morning, and they're not going to take very long. Five things that are straight out of the word that will help deactivate stress in your life. That will help get you to more of a peaceful level and Find God's view on some of the things that you're worried about. Remember, I said this last week, and I had to. I, I just want you to know, I, I have to practice what I preach. When I'm telling you, it, it, my wife can tell you, it, I got to do it too. So does she. But here's what happens. I said last week, if we work, he rests. In other words, you're not built to handle all this stuff. God didn't make you that way. That's why the enemy wants to put it on you, because it deteriorates your health. And your mindset. You're not built that way. You're built to say, God, take this. And God is built to say, I got it. So here's what happens. If I don't cast, then I work. And then it affects me. But if I cast, he works and I rest. And it affects me. Did you catch that? If I throw it to God. Remember, I, 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 Devin, come here again real quick. I just like Devin. This guy is actually one of the most awesome young men. He's come to TLC. Devin, somebody came to me. Uh, I'm making this story up. I did this a week or so ago and said, PB, your car's in the way. We got to get in there. We need your car. So I toss Devin my keys and I say, talk to Devin. Devin, take care of my car. In a few minutes, somebody comes back and says, you still got to move your car. Your car's in the way. You have to talk to Devin. I can't move my car. I already gave that job to Devin. Don't talk to me about my car. Go find Devin. So the whole principle of casting, as simple as that sounds, is just like that. 
if we give it to God when the enemy brings it back, and you know he will. I'm not dealing with that anymore. I already gave that to God. You go deal with him with that. Those are the things that we need to understand. So when God guards our, our mind, you ever been to the airport and saw armed guards or anything like that or security doing this or that? It's to keep the peace of the airport. You want to give your airport, your, your surrounding, your mind, your life, that's where everything happens between your ears, to God. Let God guard your mind, your peace, your airport, because that's where things take off or land or crash and burn. So how do we get it? Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. That's amazing. It says, tell him what you need and thank him. It's past tense. And again, it's just going right with Mark. Mark says, believe that we receive when we pray. How do you thank him for something that hasn't happened yet? Because this is about faith, ladies and gentlemen. This is not about just what everybody else. This is about what God is saying to do. Because anybody can do what you can see. It's going to take somebody to say, you know what, God, I don't have to see it. Because in the world, seeing is believing. Sounds like I'm quoting Polar Express. But they do say it in there, but that's not where I'm. But in the kingdom, believing is seeing. I don't have to see it to know that it's coming. I already have it. As far as I'm concerned, it's just a matter of time when it shows up. Mark Twain said, I've had thousands of problems in my life, most of which never happened. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but never gets you anywhere. So how can I make this work for me? How can I make it in my own life? The scripture starts out with saying, don't worry about anything, but in every situation. Wow. Now, I don't think God is concerned. He's not up in heaven going, Brett... Make sure you get Del Monte ketchup. Don't get hunts. Never mind. The per, some of those things, I think, are just your choice. Whether you wear purple socks or green socks or one or the other. I don't think God, he's not concerned about that. When it comes to things that concern you, that you are concerned with, that will pull you off course, pray about those. Those are the things to cast. Those are the things to give God. So those are the things that are worthy. So with church, if you suffer from road rage, if you're in, just yesterday, just yesterday, I had somebody speed up beside me. Nobody behind them, they were behind me, speed up beside me to cut me off just so they could turn 50 yards ahead. And nobody's behind me. Nobody was behind them. And my, I'm like, ha, ah, oh, why? Cast it. You know, if, I, if, if PK was in the car, Pastor Kim was in the car, she'd say, honey, you don't know what's going on in their life. They could be rushing to the hospital or something like that. You know, and she's always looking. She's like, she's always, you know, for you don't know. And, and she's right. Is that, is that not true? I don't know where they're going. I don't know what happened. Maybe there's something going on. But, you know, I'm a dude. So I'm like, oh, I want to speed up and cut them off. Don't you? Nobody else in here but me. Great, and I'm your pastor. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Okay, here's our first thought, and we'll just get right through these, okay? Uh, Don't worry, but pray and cast. A poet once said, every night I give all my worries to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. So if God's going to be up all night, why do you need to be? There's times you're just going to have to just give it to God. God, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to let that take space in my brain. How many knows any advice God ever gives is always good? Sometimes we get advice from people that we love, and they, they mean well, but maybe it wasn't good advice. Always weigh it up against the word. These are stats from a medical field uh, doing studies concerning um, just health and, and all of that. So 1,500 reputable medical studies. People who are religious and pray more have better mental and physical health. From Duke University, Dr. Harold G. Keenig. 125 studies linked health and regular worship. 85 showed that regular churchgoers live longer. In 2006, the University of Texas said that there was a seven-year difference between life expectancy to those who never attend church and to those who attend weekly. See, that's why the enemy tries to scream and get you out of church. You know, we're going to launch life groups again in the spring, and they're going to go for every week for a season of six to eight weeks in the spring, six to eight weeks in the summer, six to eight weeks in the fall, off for the winter again. Because, you know, this is what we found. We just tried them every other week. You know what happens every other week? If you miss a week, then you got to wait two more weeks before you show up again. And then people are like, I've already missed too much. I'm just not going to go. I don't know them very well. And, and it's hard for them to plug in. That's why it's so important just to have somebody to be, you know, let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. We all need people that will do that. Big changes happens in small packages, in small groups, in life groups. That's where you can actually go, oh, man, that's awesome. How did you overcome that? What happened? Barna did a study on Americans that go to church. Used to be they go to church every week. Then it was every other week. Then he did the study, and now it's once every four weeks, once a month. Again, it's so important to stay connected. There's an atheist named Tom Knox, and he did a study on the power of prayer and the medical benefits of faith. And now he questions his own path. Why? Because the studies found out that church people live longer. They're healthier. They have less chance of suicide, less stress, more optimistic, lower blood pressure. That's why you need to get people in church. Jesus is the answer. What's the question? Anything that you have and you have need of, Jesus is the answer. He will help you get what you need. He holds the answer. Let me ask you this. Is the problem you're worried about worth praying about? If that's true, so the opposite would be true. A problem not worth praying about is not a problem worth worrying about. If you're not going to pray about it, why are you worrying about it? If you're going to worry about it, cast it to God and just pray about it. Give it to him. Here's number two. Be thankful. So many walk around with entitlement. Everybody owes them a living. You know, I'm, I'm 58. I'll be 59 in December. Not a good time to laugh, Gary. Not a good time to laugh. (laughs) But when I was growing up, if we wanted money, and I know people in here, this is what we did. In the fall, I raked leaves. This was leaf raking time for me. Hated it, but I made money. In the summer, I mowed yards. In the winter, I shoveled walks. How many did that? I had a paper route. I had to learn and use a work ethic. The Bible is great about work ethic. He says, if you won't work, you don't eat. We need to teach our children what it means to put your hand to something. 
Now, obviously, like we had a dedication, God has a calling on everybody's life. There's a destiny for each one of us, those babies included. Let's find that destiny and work towards that. Because what is work to some people is not work to others. To some people, it'd be like, you know, one of the biggest fears, public speaking. I still get nervous every time when I speak, but yet it, it fuels me. It's something I love to do. So to others, they'd be like, ain't no way. I'm not getting up there. To me, people say, what happens when the church grows and you got to preach four or five times? I'm like, okay. Why? Because that's more people I can tell about the kingdom. It's more people that will help build the things that God has put inside me so they can be successful. That fuels me. Now, by the end of the day, I'm pretty tired, but I'm good. It's a good tired. Here's a tweet. You can start living a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Start your day. Everybody say, start your day. You can start your living and lifestyle by thanksgiving. Start your day. Everybody say, start your day. I just retweeted that. I thought that was really cute when I put that in there. I thought that, I liked it. <laughs> All right. Before the phone goes off in the morning, before you get on social media, before you look at Facebook or Instagram, before you turn on Fox News, before you do any of that, could you not be thankful to the God that gives you life? Could you not be thankful to the God that gave you a wife or a husband or kids or whatever? Could you not be thankful for something? Thank him when you wake up, you got a bed to wake up in. Thank him that you got air conditioning. Thank him that you got a job. If you don't, thank him that you're getting one. Thank him that you have a car. If you don't, thank him that you're getting one. Thank him that your kids are serving him. Thank him for whatever, but thank him. Thank him that your legs work. That your body is working well. I could go on and on. Here's our thought number three. Speak to your mountain. Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24 says, If you tell, I, or I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Again, this is the kingdom. This is Jesus saying, I'm going to tell you something here. This is how we do it. Confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, and do not doubt. That's what he's reiterating here. If you believe this, you speak to the mountain. you got to tell the, the enemy's going to come at you, and he's going to come at you. you got to tell him, talk to the hand, play Diana Ross, do whatever you got to do. But you got to tell him, no, not today. Knock, knock. Broken pencil. Ah, oh, it's pointless. That's the way people take prayer. They think, I, well, I would pray, but nothing ever happens. It doesn't work, or it doesn't work for me. If I listen to your confession, that's why it doesn't work. You already believe it doesn't work. But you talk to somebody that has prayed and they know it works, they don't talk like that. You take authority and you take dominion and you pray and God does the rest. I don't have to work. I just have to rest because I've done the work. I've did my part. If you get involved, the kingdom gets involved. God is in you. The kingdom of God resides in you. Where you put your foot, that's where dominion starts. It's up to us as the people of God to take authority and dominion. People just say, well, we're going to storm the gates of heaven. 
You don't have to storm heaven. Heaven's open to you. If you've got Christ, you can walk right in. You can go right into the throne room. You can go boldly. God, this according to your word, this is a violation. This is what the enemy's doing. And God will say, take care of it. Do you, do you hear that? He's going to say, go, go take care of it. That's a violation. Take care of it. And he's given you the authority. I have the authority to take care of what God has put in my realm. So I take care of that. I don't ask I don't have to timidly go because the enemy knows he's in violation. He just wants to know if you know there's a new sheriff in town. Are you going to enforce the law? Or are you going to let him slide? Because he'll slide as long as you grease him up. But you take authority and you start saying, it's over. Today, you're leaving Dodge. If I came to your house and you were fixing supper and I knew you'd feed me, And I kept ringing the doorbell, and you never came. I could see you in there, but nobody came to the door. My mind would start, the enemy would go, they don't like you. You eat too much. They're having something that you wouldn't like it anyway. You know, whatever. Feed my mind. This actually happened. This is BK before Kim. I went... I you know, went to somebody's house. They invited, I thought they invited me over. I thought I got the invitation right. Went to their house, and it was a family, it was a, you know, and they were in there, and I'm out on the front porch, and I am hitting the doorbell, and they're in there. Nobody will come to the door, and so I left. And the guy's like, hey, we missed you. I'm like, dude, you didn't come to the door. I sat there and rang the doorbell for like 10 minutes. He's like, our doorbell's broke. Why didn't you just come in? Um, Here's the thing. If you don't bring the petitions to God, you don't ask, you don't say, God, this is is a violation. This is, or this is, according to your word, I am allowed to have this by covenant. It's not that he won't give it to you. It's not that it won't be enforced. It's you don't ask. Maybe the doorbell's broke. Maybe you just think it all happens by osmosis. It happens by you taking the word of God and putting faith with it in action. Matthew 21, 22, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. 60th high school reunion, Edna and Harold are reminiscing all night. They had dated in high school and drifted apart, and now both of their spouses had passed away, and they're having the time of their lives. And Harold got up enough courage, and he went over to Edna and said, Edna! I wish I had married you a long time ago. Will you marry me? And Edna replied, yes, I'll marry you. Harold got home. He couldn't remember what Edna's answer was. So he found her number, called her the next day and said, I asked you to marry me last night. Did you say yes or did you say no? I can't remember. Edna said, I said yes. And she went on and said, don't feel bad because I can't remember who asked me. Here's our fourth point today. Use a filter. Think about what you're thinking about. How many have ever put a filter on your water, like a Brita filter or whatever, and it gets the impurities out so you can drink the water and all that? Sometimes, you know, it's okay. We need to vent somewhere, and it's all good if you have a safe place to vent. Your spouse is a great place to vent, although be careful. You don't want to make sure it's not personal to them. 
you know, or anything like that, but you're just like, ah, you know, you need some place to be able to do that. God's a great place to vent because God will hear everything. You know, you can try to hide it from God, but he knows it anyway. But please, please don't vent on social media. I mean, really. And on social media, most everybody puts their perfect life up there. And we almost think, oh my goodness, this is just, you must never have an issue. And just understanding and perspective, that's not the place. Especially if you're kingdom-minded and you're about the kingdom of God and you're professing this, but then you're posting things that are contrary to what you say or believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we've had to deal with that because, you know, we want to be a good witness. How many knows you need to be a good witness? People are watching. If you're professing to be a follower of Jesus, but you're posting cursing and inappropriate things on your social media, those two don't go together too well. People have a lot of that. They want something that's, again, we're talking about truth and fake. Real and fake. Think about what you're thinking about. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. You'll experience God's peace. How many want God's peace? Man, that's got to be some awesome peace, isn't it? God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you know you have it, you don't worry about it. If you know God's taking care of it, I don't have to worry about it. Kim and I have had to do this recently. And again, I'm in the process, you know, and I've cast it. And I, I feel so much better about something I had to cast. It's something I really needed to cast. And, and you know who brought it to my attention was my spouse, was Kim. She brought it and said, here's something, you know, I just want you to think about it. She didn't, you know, but does anybody in here like being corrected? It's no, it's no fun, but she was not trying to correct me. She's just saying, this thought came to me. She has a lot of thoughts come to her. It comes to me, you know what I'm saying? But she's trying to help me, and she's trying to say something. So, you know, this is, guys are different, so I processed it. I'm driving and teaching Maddie to drive. Cast that on God. She's doing really well, though. But, you know, I called Kim up, and she was, you know, she was doing stuff in her day, and I was on in the midst of between appointments, and I said, hey, I wanted to thank you for sharing that with me. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, then, you know, and then she says, I got to do you know, some of the same thing. But I wanted her to acknowledge that it just sometimes... I have to process it, you know, you know, I had to think about how she, but I was already, God, now, now I'm going to take, God is already t- dealing with me on it before she said it. Does that make sense? Isn't that how the Holy Spirit does? He starts already starting to talk to you about, you know, I know you're trusting me, but, you know, here, this would probably, is not helping you. And so when she said that, she just brought that to light. And so then I was like, okay, so I make the commitment. Now here again, think about what I'm saying. I filtered it. God, I'm going to grab out of what you're doing, and I'm going to put my faith to it. So I called her to tell her, thanks, this is what I'm doing as my action to this care that I'm casting on him. So that puts this to our, our number five. Put it into practice, Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received. It's right there. Put it into practice. What good is it if you don't put it into practice? If you know what to do and you do it not, put it into practice. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul saying, I just showed you what to do. You do it. Put it into practice. 
That's called discipleship. That's what Jesus did. Hey, guys, come with me. Watch this. We're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. Let me show you how to do it. And he shows them how to do it, and then he lets them do it. He sends them out. Come on, somebody. This is just basic discipleship 101. So we have to put this into practice, and our issue is we don't want to get involved almost with ourselves. But God is saying you can't live the life I want for you if you don't get involved and put into practice. Faith without works is dead. In other words, if I don't put action with what I'm believing, nothing happens. If you're doing something that is not right or being disobedient and you know what's right and don't do it, then if you're doing something and you know it's right and you're doing it, you get all the results of that. Well, sometimes doing the right thing isn't always the thing I want to do. Oh, hello. Because that's why sometimes it's like it's rubbing a cat backwards. Lord, I do not want to do that. But he's telling you, just do it. Just, just do it. And so you do it, and then all of a sudden, now listen, then peace, the peace of God that guards your mind, floods your mind, and all of a sudden you have a break from the trauma. And you're like, where'd that come from? And God is like, hello. You want to be Superman and you want, to, you want a phone booth? This is the phone booth. This is what you're going to climb into and dun, dun, da. <laughs> but the enemy's got a bunch of kryptonite for you. And he's going to get you off track. He's going to scream at you just to get you unfocused, get you off edge. Now, just to quote, just for you moviegoers, in, in a Batman movie... This is what Batman says, but although this is a biblical principle, not that Batman's spiritual, so please. So all of you watching online, I'm not saying Batman is spiritual, so no hate mail. He says, it's not who I am, but it's what I do that defines me. You know what that means? It means the whistle makes noise, but it doesn't pull the train. It just makes noise. It's got to have something in the engine. Something that pushes that train where it needs to go. You can talk all day long, but if you've got nothing in your engine. So when it comes to God, we are saved by grace. We did nothing to get saved. Jesus did that. What happens in the world is affected, and our, our success in how we live the life God has called us has a lot to do with what we do. Our obedience. Now, you can agree with that or you don't have to, but that's the truth. You can be saved, get to heaven, and live miserably here until you get to heaven. I don't want that. I don't think you want that. But if we put our hand to doing what God tells us to do, the people that don't know Christ will see, they don't know about the relationship you have, but they will see what you do that will cause them to come and go, what is it about you? They'll see fruit. My friends, I'm looking at wonderful people that have great fruit. I challenge you today, as we've learned to live free, that we take some of these principles and just start saying, Lord, is there something I could grab from that? Is there something you could teach me? Maybe I could tweak something just a little bit. You know, sometimes little changes make big differences. Little things... 
me give you just a quick example and I'm going to close. Again, just examples of my, my life. My wife, <clears throat> she told me, I know you've been in, the, this has been years ago. She said, I know you've been in the kitchen. I said, why? She goes, because every drawer you get in, you leave it open. The cupboard, the drawers, and I was like, you know, you want to be like, let me tell you about what you, I'll tell you something you don't do. But when she said that, I'm like, I look around and there's all these drawers that I, like the silverware drawer was open that much. The glass cupboard was open that much. I mean, it's a wonder I shut the refrigerator. You know what I'm saying? And I just looked at her and now listen to me. I said, you're right. And she looked at me. And now listen, she didn't go. She looked at me, but what happened was another click in a notch of respect. Because she deserves that. But so do I. I deserve to be honest enough to go, I need work. And I said, ah. so this is what I asked. I said, Lord, help me remember to shut drawers. To this day, I'm still fighting. I'll go back in like, oh, I left that drawer open. And I'll shut it. From that happened, I don't know how many years ago was that. I don't know. But it's just something little. It's not a major thing, but it's a character. I just want to, God, help me to do everything. You can do things like that too. And watch God work in your life. You'll never be the same. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads, please?